down the street. Same old thing we did last week. Not a thing to do. But shut up and listen to Raph on the Forest Creek Podcast. You know the show. Hello, Wisconsin! And you know the guy, that's me. I'm the guy. And the show is the Forest Creek Podcast. I'm here with another guy. That's me. Matt. Matt, the other guy. The other guy. Um, we did record something together before. It was a, a kind of a review of the first season of, what's that uh, show called? Lord of the Rings, the lost episode of the, the Forest Creek. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, that's the, it's in the Lord of the Rings world, but it's called... Rings of Power. The Rings of Power. Yeah. There we go. Um, Not very memorable. No. But uh, we will put that episode out before the second season of The Rings of Power comes yeah. to be, if it doesn't, you know, meet a horrible, tragic end, which is hilarious because <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And yeah, but uh, that's a story for another time, children. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a decade. We're going to talk about the 90s, specifically. Oh, baby, the 90s. If you recognize uh, the song that I was singing at the opening of this, it was actually the opening to both shows, that 70s show and that 90s show that uh, is basically a reboot. So to kind of lay some background here, that 70s show was a show that was popular during the 2000s. was basically what were people like when they were hanging out 30 years back. It was produced by um, Tommy Chong, one half of the infamous stoner duo Cheech and Chong. Oh, sick. I didn't yeah. know that. And the actors on it, Topher Grace, Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, there was a few other people, but uh, that kind of launched their careers because they came into it as kids, and then afterwards they went off to make, you know, make movies and all that stuff. Honestly, I only remember Topher Grace from Spider-Man 3. Who was he in Spider-Man 3? With, he was Eddie Brock to Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. He was yeah. like the Venom before yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah, so that was Topher Grace. Um, Ashton Kutcher, you know, Days of Our Lives, probably a couple of rom-coms or whatever. Mila Kunis, kind of same deal, lots of rom-coms. Um, she actually the voice of Meg in Family Guy, if you didn't know. Hmm. Yeah, uh, which is really funny, because, like, Meg, somebody who's famously ugly. And Shut up, Meg. Mila Kunis, someone who's, like, famously beautiful. So it's, like, interesting, that kind of dynamic, but... When they were kids, they got on that 70s show, and that's kind of what launched their careers. I don't know what the others went to do, but the show, more or less, is about a group of kids hanging out in their friend's basement. Eric uh, Foreman? Eric Foreman was the name of the leading character. And it was a coming-of-age TV show where every season is another year in the 70s, and they're just constantly going through them. They're experiencing the things that kids did in the 70s. They're... Um, well, it's stoner comedy to, to a big degree. They famously have this dyna- this bit in the show where they will put a camera in the center of a table and then rotate it 360. Like 90 degrees, here's another character. 90 degrees, here's another character. 90 degrees, here's another character. So the four people sitting on four sides of the table and all of them are getting high. And they never show weed. And they never show that stuff. They'll like put a little bit of smoke in the air to kind of suggest it. But honestly, if you didn't know that's what they were doing, you'd never would have guessed. You're like, there's just sitting around a table being silly or being introspective for a moment. And it was, um, to be honest, I think it was one of the most popular shows that had that, had stoner comedy in it. When did that 70s show come out? 90s? Early 2000s. Really? Yeah, it was like majority throughout the 2000s. They ran for like, I want to say eight seasons. Hmm. 
I'm just gonna look this up real quick. How many seasons did that 70s show go for? Eight seasons. Eight seasons. Eight seasons. That 70s show is an American comedy television series that originally aired on Fox for 200 episodes and four specials across eight seasons, from August 23rd, 1998, to May 18th, 2006. Right, Thanks, so you, Siri. You're a babe. So you're right. Yeah, it was uh, the 90s. It came out in 98. Um, and then last week... Sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Could you please repeat? First off, I was talking to the Google lady. <laughs> Shut up, Siri. <laughs> Um, that's what you get for not letting my podcast on Apple. <laughs> to be fair, like, I tried going through their process, but they're like, well, you need to verify your Apple ID. And it's like, it's just taking forever. Everywhere else is like, just put RSS up here. Well, we'll chart it out. It's all good. <laughs> on topic, that 90s show, uh, Netflix bought the rights to the show, and they have rebooted it, basically. So it's the same thing. But now that we're in 2020, the show is about the 90s in the same way that when they were in the 2000s, the show was about the 70s. Yeah. Right. It's still produced by Tommy Chong. Um, what they did to bring the show back was actually they got a lot of the older actors coming back. So the new pitch is basically the same old couple who are Mr. and Mrs. Foreman, uh, Red and Kitty, mm-hmm. who were Eric's parents from the original show. They're now grandparents. Okay. And Eric is a dad bringing his daughter over to stay at their home for the summer. Gotcha. So the season, the first season of the show has spanned over the summer as his daughter is kind of going through many of the same experiences that he went through. Nerdy kid who's fallen in with a group of lovable misfits and now they're they're having a summer. They're trying drugs, they're drinking beer, they're going off the water fountain, she's trying to have her first summer romance. Um, the summer romance plays a really big role in it. And it's a lot of coming-of-age stuff. It's, but in the 90s now, you know? What comes to mind for you in the 90s? Oh, Pokemon. Really? Pokemon, huge, yeah. All the, you know, got my first Pokemon, like, Game Boy, when I was, like, six. So just 99. And, uh, yeah. Wait, so what year were you born? 94. 94. Millennium. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that 90s show would strike me a lot harder if uh, if it was like something like the Rugrats uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then they wouldn't really be able to do much with the beer and drugs without the show being a little bit more controversial um, Yeah. but I'm interested in seeing like uh, yeah just the you know all the stuff like you know you get the Walkmans the... just the emergence of mass media technology Yeah. you yeah. know because the internet is a thing that's one of the episodes that they have in the show is the old lady kitty foreman mm-hmm. she's sitting down and learning how to use a computer she keeps making they keep making the jokes like the president can see you through this <gasps> everybody look good <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it's the emergence of mass media technology a lot of the modern things that we work with now they had like they were born in the 90s even just the way we do like our tv celebrity culture was big then right we didn't necessarily have social media back then but we were starting to have the internet um, in the background, somebody cracks a joke about it at one point, like the Iraq war is going on, <laughs> which is like the beginnings of Americans just hearing about the Middle East constantly, yeah, like they yeah. do now. Or because the 90s, you know, a lot of people attributed it. They were like, that's the height of American empire. You know, it's mass commercialism. Yeah. Right? Everybody has figured out how to be a consumer now. 
they say what year that 90s show is based in? Like, Not exactly. Which, no, okay. no. They just but, tease um, around the 90s. The last show, the 70s show, basically it ended on the turn of the new year from the 70s to the 80s. Oh, that's so cool. So that kind of started in 1972 and went to 1980. So I, yeah. I can, I think we can kind of ballpark it that it's like 91, 92 or something. Depends oh. on uh, how many seasons they decide to go for. However many seasons Netflix is thinking of going. Yeah. If but, you get um, canceled on three, then it was 97. They do <laughs> one cool thing in that 70s show, because the 70s is when the first Star Wars movies started to come out. Mm. So as soon as that happens, the main character, Eric, becomes a huge Star Wars nerd. And that's why he's teaching the Star Wars course now with uh, his daughter, Leia. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yes. That's fine. Uh, names his daughter, Leia. Um, marries his sweetheart from the 70s show, uh, the girl who used to live next door Spoilers. to him. Not really. <laughs> show's been out 30 years, man. <laughs> Get over <so. laughs> Um Yeah, that's also like the first episode of the 90s show. Yeah. Uh, but we see a lot of the old characters, a lot of the old actors return. IGN gave that show um, about a 7 out of 10, which... You know, most sitcoms, if they're good, are a 7 out of 10. It's very easy for a sitcom to be bad. To IGN be does Netflix show ratings now? IGN rates everything that they get money to rate. <laughs> Fair um, enough. And they'll rate it higher if they get more money. But their yeah. overall take was it was fun, it was entertaining as sitcoms go, but it relied too much on the old cast. Hmm. Um, and I can kind of see that, right? Because to part of, a major part of the show is the old couple who were old to us when they were in that 70s show and now 30 years later to be honest they look great the, the actors that's what really confused me because i started the show and i saw them there and i was like they look the same as they did am i watching the right show yeah it's like they didn't change at all yeah they didn't move out of 1950 <laughs> they're still practically the same same attitudes and all that stuff the dad red foreman constantly making that joke uh, i'm gonna kick your ass which is, it's not the way that Hank Hill makes that joke. Well, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> it's just constantly saying it all the time. Yeah. You know. So that was really interesting to see them kind of come back into that. And then the old actors keep popping up. Ashton Kutcher's in it. Mila Kunis shows up. Um, the guy who played Fez is kind of interesting. He shows up again, has like his own subplot a little bit. Uh, I don't know. what. Did you see a lot of that 70s show? Almost nothing. I've Almost. seen like clips here and there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I a sci-fi of... guy. I'm more likely to watch Star Wars and stuff like uh, what's his face from that '70s than I am to watch that '70s show. I used to be a sitcomaholic. Uh, I'd seen a lot of sitcoms, yeah. Because you know, I think it was um, in high school we had a writing teacher who did an entire unit about the evolution of the family and the writing that went around the family. So that show, what we did in that unit was basically we watched episodes of TV from like every decade, different shows from like all the way back to Leave It to Beaver and I Love Lucy. Oh, like, and then we watched, you know, this family and that family and then just watching it evolve through the decades. That 70s show was a really great example of that because it's literally a show made in the 90s, that, well, started making in the 90s that went back to the 70s. And this is an interesting one because it's made in 2020s going all the way back to the 90s so just watching those decades go back one of the first things a lot of people tend to notice about that is the evolution of the dad and the tv show dads in tv shows used to like the subplots and like everything that would happen all the problems in the show would happen from the kids they would happen from the mom 
and then the show would end with the dad coming in and restoring order to the household, mm-hmm. right? It was a very serious, morally centered character. And over time, the dads became more and more loose to the point where if you watch a family channel show, like if you turn on Wizards of Waverly Place, the dad is a goofball. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a goofball. Yeah. You know, they're constantly making gags about him. Um, even if you go back to, to the Modern 90s, Family too. Modern Family is a great example. Yeah, love Phil. Oh. Yeah, Modern Family was actually what we ended the unit on. Yeah. Yeah, we watched the the last things we were watching was like in the 2010s. So that was around uh, when Modern Family was really big. So we watched that. And first off, I love mo- the way Modern Family's written. They do great. They are awesome. Mm-hmm. It deserved every season that got, and it's over now. But great television. Even for that, like my dad was is kind of a conservative person. Yeah. But he likes Modern Family because it was it was a good portrayal of it. It's kind of funny. One big thing about Modern Family that struck a chord with a lot of people is that, like, it's it normalized having a gay married couple and their family on TV. Yeah. It's funny that the show is actually made in other parts of the world where that's not okay, and then they just kind of make it out to be two goofy roommates or something. Wait, really? It's, uh, there's, like, a Serbian remake of Modern Family <laughs> that does practically the same plots and everything, but they just pretend it's, like, it's two uncles living together or something. <laughs> yeah. It's... So, like, they literally just take, like everything from modern family put their own actors in and then change it a little bit like, yeah yeah it's actually very common with like um it's actually very common with a lot of uh film and tv studios around the world like yeah. I, I saw an arabic remake of are we there yet the movie with ice cube <laughs> beat for beat the same exact yeah. movie but with egyptian people all of them speaking arabic like the exact even the deer showing up and like i don't know the guy getting crotch hit by like a statue and all this Literally the same movie. <laughs> so kind of like taking uh, subtitles to the extremes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we're going to sub the actors. Sub movies. Yeah. Sub movies. <laughs> but um, that 90s show and looking back at the decades and the way that it evolved is very interesting. Um, they have a new cast going. That 70s show, the cast was very simple. It was like Eric Foreman, kind of a nerd. He had a friend uh, who always wore glass sunglasses. That He was like his conspiracy theory friend kind of cool but you know romantically uninvolved which was kind of like a nice break from the rest of the characters who are constantly romantically involved you have this boyfriend girlfriend duo who are ashton kutcher and mila kunis and uh you know he's like the supposed chad of his high school and then she's like you know the popular girl who has to be with that guy you know they might not even be a good fit for each other right you have kind of just the the redhead hippie girl who lives next door to eric and is his crush you know that romantic on and off. Is this the that 70s or that 90s? That 70s, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I was going to say, you're basically describing the daughter from that 90s in the first uh, <laughs> 30 seconds. Like. Right, who else was there? Oh, yeah. And let's not forget um, the ethnically ambiguous foreign exchange student who is with them the whole time, Fez. Uh, who's my favorite character on the show? He's like weirdly Spanish the whole time. Like, and has always doing that accent, but you can't ever actually place where it is he's from, and they never reveal it on the show. But what's funny is that, like, it's an interesting point to, like, hinge the cast on, because they started with an ethnically ambiguous metrosexual, and now they have an ethnically ambiguous, kind of Asian, homosexual (laughs) in the new cast. They have, like, an openly gay kid in it, and then they have, you know, the punk next door girl who's like the best friend of Leia, the Leia Foreman their new central character who is equally as big of a nerd as her father was, just in different directions. It's not cool to be a nerd about Star Wars in the 90s. 
I guess. That was a sad time. Was it? <laughs> no. Apparently it was, was cool like to be to... a nerd about Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, near the end of it. Oh, near the end of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I think people watched Star Trek and stuff back then. You know, there was plenty to be a nerd about. What if that's like what... I'm calling it right now. It's one of the big plots in the upcoming thing is that she falls in love with Star Trek, but her dad is really into Star Wars, and it's like a major controversy throughout the show. Heartbreaking for him. I don't care. <laughs> Warhammer's right there. Um, if... Oh yeah, and they also have they have basically the descendant of Ashton Kutcher, who's like the pretty boy of the new school, mm-hmm. um, famously a Kelso, which means that he's you know the heartbreaker, the kind of airhead that will be around with all the girls but never settle down with one, and it'll just be a, a story of tragedies. Tragic, <laughs> something like that. So that's the the Kelso family. Yeah, and okay. then they also okay. do have the boyfriend girlfriend duo. Yeah, who is like again popular, smart girl who's gonna go places. And the Jersey guy. Yeah, Jersey guy. Jersey. I don't. I don't even want to say Chad because he's kind of not a Chad. <laughs> Being a Chad means you don't care. <laughs> this guy cares too much. <laughs> you know, a Brad. He's a Brad. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> uh, I like that. Uh, I saw a leveling thing of it. Is like you start out as a as a Brad, and then mm-hmm. you level up to Chad, and then you go up to Thad. Whoa. That's like college Chad. <laughs> And then once you go up like one step further, that's Vlad. <laughs> Vlad, next three on failing. Well, it's interesting because the 90s was also like 90s, 2000s. That's when people still believed in the high school caste system of like there are jocks, there are pumpkins, mm. there are nerds, you know. When I was in high school, that was kind of falling apart. Yeah? Yeah, I was in high school in the 2010s. Well, I got into high school in 2010, mm-hmm. left in 2015, and it was like nobody cared about that. You could be anything. And you could float between groups. So, like, that caste system was kind of a joke. It was the mean girl's plot, but it never <laughs> went anywhere, right? I don't know. When you were going to high school, what year did you graduate? 2012. 2012. Yeah. Did you ever experience a high school caste system? No, I went to a horribly small private prison school, so there wasn't enough people to have a caste system. It was Christian. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cult. It was, you guys were all kind of inmates rather than Basically. groups. Yeah. But... That was, it was on a farm, and it used to be a camp that they purchased so they could lock us away. Do you ever see The Breakfast Club? Yeah. Yeah. Love I think that, that was one of those movies that really drove home the fact that there was a caste system. Which is funny, because the plot of The Breakfast Club is the kids in that movie see through their caste system and become friends yeah. by the end of it. You know, they just share feelings, and they bond over this detention period. But... Like, people would see that and then think, I'm a bender, you're a what's-her-face, you know, all that stuff, and just be like, I'm the burnout kid, you're the jock, you're the pretty girl, you're the nutcase, and all this stuff. And people would kind of cling to that stuff like it's their identity. So you think that almost kind of, like, helped revitalize the and keep it going kind of thing? I think people still thought it was real Mm. for a while. And the truth of the matter is that it was never real. That if you were aware of the fact that that was true you could just kind of like float between the groups you could take the best of all worlds society's a construct <laughs> i think the caste system is a construct i'm not gonna say society <laughs> you know just things that make sense yeah. that they exist but like let's let's for instance take this idea of the jock okay why does the jock exist why does the jock class of high school society exist well if you're playing football and you spend a lot of time with your football team and it's a big part of the morale of being on the football team that you spend a lot of time in the, with them and that you guys kind of create your own culture and it becomes a little bit more homogenized and you're known for that around the school. 
we had guys in our school, they all wore the Letterman jackets when they were on the sports team. Yeah. Right? It's like if you're all you're wearing a uniform that indicates you're a member of that societal cast. Yeah. And then because you are, you know, the testosterone fueled athlete, usually those guys tend to be a little bit fitter, better looking. Um, they tend to be more charismatic. So they evolve into this kind of stereotype, right? Not necessarily because, you know, they're genetically disposed to do it, but because they were, you know, it just, they were conditioned into it. And not like maliciously, like nobody put them in a lab and went, okay, we're going to keep running this test until he turns into a jock and puts yeah. on a Letterman jacket. <laughs> no, it was just, that's just the culture you ended up coming up in. I think the same thing is true of a lot of those so-called casts. But the funny thing is that when I was in high school, the biggest nerds I knew were the ones in the Letterman jackets. It was the guy who spent all day on Reddit, would put on the jacket, and then go play rugby after school. It's like, that's it. It wasn't like, there it was no jock class. There were a few burnouts, yeah. There were kids that went out and smoked weed after class or whatever, or there were kids who spent their time doing nerdier things, and there were friend groups, but people floated between there all the time. I was a theater kid. I didn't belong in theater at all. <laughs> so do you think it started to dissolve exactly while you were in high school? Or maybe it's always kind of been like that and just you notice this while you're experiencing it and then maybe that kind of, you know, how kind of like details of the past can be lost, you know? Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think... The truth behind it is that it was never really real. By the time we kind of entered the Obama years, what ended up happening was that being inclusive became cool. So it was no longer cool to be exclusive in your cast. It became cool to be inclusive. And then that just eroded the borders of who was cool and who wasn't. And it flipped the whole world upside down. The nerdy, artsy kids became cool. And a lot of the jock, people who stayed in their stereotypes, kind of receded into the background um and when i was in elementary school i knew like i would talk to other kids about it so we all had an expectation that things were going to be like that and then by the time we get to grade eight and we're just going through the motions going through class to class because um in my town in my part of town at least um up to grade seven was elementary school so from one to seven we were in the same school and then yeah. high school was eight to twelve so as soon as we cross that threshold it takes a little while, but then you kind of realize, oh, none of that's true. Yeah. This was all nonsense. We're going to work. It's to me, yeah. by the end of high school, I was like, I just show up and sit in the same cubicle every day, practically. And I'm friends with everybody around me in that cubicle, whether or not they're a jock or the pretty girl or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We had something like that with, uh, I remember this from talking with Jake, you know, when we started getting into the higher grades. We hit grade 11. He's like, all right. Who are we going to protect, you know, from the lower grades? Stop from bullying, right? And I was like, I was like, Jake, the assholes graduated. I mean, nobody. We're just not going to bully the You just kids. look at each other like, we're the bullies now. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's like, all right, we're the bullies. And I'm like, Jake, no. <laughs> it's funny. Did you ever have experiences with bullying in school? Oh, yeah. There was, uh, I mean, lots of different things from either myself or watching friends like there was this uh, one kid Jonah he was a couple grades below us but he yeah. would pick on Spencer a lot and my mom always gave me these little just like things like Hershey kisses and small little chocolates like that little eggs I'd always get a few of those in my lunch I almost never ate them 
because I'd see Jonah approaching Spencer and I would just whip those things and smoke that kid in the head with little chocolates. <laughs> but that was like, that was like, you were the hero in that story. You yeah, took revenge yeah. on the bully. Yeah. 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 I just, I never really had a bully. No. I was, what was really funny to me is one time in elementary school, I got pulled in to sit with a lot of the kids who were bullies, essentially. Like, I, would, yeah. I don't think they thought themselves as bullies. I don't think they thought that they were bugging or bullying anybody yeah. on, on, intentionally. They were just kind of being rude. They were kind of being a, a obnoxious to people. Mm. And there was this uh, one kid I'll never forget. Uh, this so this one kid named Johnny had moved over to our school and he was he had an accent he was like from Taiwan or something um, he still had a, a bit of a struggle with English he had an interesting dress sense he had long hair and he, he kind of looked like he was from the 70s that was what, <laughs> and he always wore Calvin Klein stuff and we never really knew why he had a yellow jacket that made him kind of look like you know our teacher actually called said it made him look like a little bit of a duck like a rubber duck and the class would laugh and our teacher would even say like be a man johnny and that kind of caught on as a catchphrase i don't think our teacher knew what he was doing but he sowed the seeds in these other obnoxious kids to do that stuff to him constantly yeah, yeah. and it turned into i even i was like this is kind of bullying like but then for some reason they called me in here <laughs> to sit with these kids so that the principal could give us a talking to <laughs> about bullying this kid and this is the principal's reasoning is like you never know what somebody's gonna be like you never know what gifts they have johnny's dad works for calvin klein i have to save up to buy calvin klein shirts it's <laughs> like what do you what <laughs> and then at the same time Am I in here because you want a shirt is that what this is <laughs> like all these kids they're, they're like trying to they're going back and forth with the principal and then they would look at me like why is Raphael here <laughs> like, even they were like what is going on <laughs> i was like oh, i think i've spoken like two sentences to johnny the whole time he's been here i don't even know these kids are like i just punched a dude in the teeth uh raf was just walking in the hall well, like, these kids some of them were obnoxious to me yeah they would like make fun of me for something you know yeah. they'd be like oh you're egyptian you live in a pyramid huh? <laughs> like Classic. that kind of stuff <laughs> so and, do you rap well <laughs> yes but <laughs> you heard it here Paul. it's funny when i got to later grades i think between ninth and tenth grade i had like a, a charisma breakthrough i just i think in my mind i went nuts i just abandoned all of the shy politeness i used to hold on to yeah and i became quick-witted i didn't realize how smart i was with wit yeah so when it came time to sling insults i was like faster than other kids <laughs> and i was like more vicious to it too like it made me cold and callous around these other kids You're like i have a trigger finger and i've got bullets there came a time where i was sitting next to the same kid in history class in grade 12 and every day, every move he made towards me, I would turn on him like a weapon. <laughs> and it's not like I didn't yeah. like him, but I never said I don't like you. I just kept being terrible to him. Yeah. And then walking away from that class on like the last week of school before we do our exams and stuff, I was like, oh, I've been a bully this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like it just clicked in. Yeah. I would take it back if I knew that I was like truly making people's lives more miserable. But I also kind of look at it and be like, it's high school. Get over it. You know, it's like, why did you... Nobody should have really hinged that much of their identity on who they were when they were a teenager. Well, but I mean, the when people you're... who do, you know, peak in high school is uh, saying for a reason. So the... I hope they change. Yeah. I just hope they change, you know, because I thought, you know, maybe what if this is the height of fun? And it's really not. It's like a blip. It's just that when you are in high school, it's all you have. Yeah. It's your whole life, which is part of... If you ask me, it's kind of part of the problem with school. 
We put way too much of a weight on that social circle, on your performance at this academic standard. Why wouldn't they teach me to do taxes, prepare me for what I wanted to do with my life? (laughs) I I feel bad for this because, like, we had a class where they tried to teach us these concepts. Yeah. Save money. This is a checking account and stuff like that. It's just, it was, they organized the student set in that way terribly. So it was like a lot of obnoxious kids distracting the teacher. The kids who wanted to pay attention were not able to. They hardly taught us how to write a cover letter. Ours didn't even. The only thing we had was a planning course where we had to talk about our inspirations, aspirations, all that stuff. And stuff that uh, helped us and inspired us. And one of mine, uh, being eternally stuck in 2006, was My Chemical Romance. (laughs) Right? (laughs) As one of the emo uh, clan members. Now, Um, was 2006 when My Chemical Romance was most popular? Oh, baby. 2006, you got 1X from Three Days Grace. You got Billy Talent, too. Oh, what else do you mean? And you got the Black Parade, of course. That was when you would flick on the radio and... You've got Famous Last Words by My Chemical Romance. You got, uh, like, Riot by Three Days Grace. Oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, truly the best years of music. You're kind of reminding me, in that 70s show, they have an episode where a cool kid with the sunglasses is falling in love with a girl at the same <laughs> time that he's being uh, introduced to metal. Like, because that's when it was born, like, yeah, metal music. Yeah. So there's metal music, and then... Throughout the 80s, punk kind of emerges, and then it gets big in the 90s, and we get stuff like grunge, too. So, like, the rebellious side, the alternative groups of music. Yeah. Um, something that I think probably the breeding ground for things like My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> and then uh, the only thing that came out of that course, they ignored all of my stuff that I wanted to do with my life, and they're like... I got pulled into the principal's office. We need to talk about why this influences you. Do you have a romance with chemicals? <laughs> <laughs> like I listen to sad music I don't do drugs yet <laughs> like, um, this is pushing me to what is pushing me to drugs you were because you were uh, in a private school you probably didn't do the dare program no I did that in elementary school though right yeah. drug abuse resistance education yeah I still uh, uh, I have that ruler actually and I've used the dare ruler to roll joints <laughs> <laughs> It's funny to think about that the reason why the D.A.R.E. program no longer exists, I think it's because they had a spike where, you know, yeah, all the kids are being more informed, but then they had long-term data after a while, and they were like, oh, they're more likely to do drugs because we showed them this. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think the problem is, like, when you, if you never talk about the positive of something, and you only talk about negatives, when somebody's exposed to something like drugs, and they try it, you know, they get over that hump of the peer pressure or whatever and they try it and they're like oh there's positivity so all the negative stuff must have been a lie because they never told me about this exactly yeah yeah so i think that's really interesting that's probably what has it's just an estimation i'm not a sociologist yeah. you know but yeah. that's not a real degree anyway <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they i was i was the last generation to do it drugs or no <laughs> certainly not um but the Today. dare program uh, yeah. i still remember it was constable holly marks uh the cop who would show up to give us the dare lesson yeah. in fifth grade and all every time she left all we had was more questions like so how many cigarettes do you have to smoke to get cancer and stuff like that like <laughs> we're always trying to find where the line is and stuff like that like all the kids would have been like oh we'll never you know to 
it was always incomprehensible to me, even in high school, that like anybody would ever do cocaine or meth or any yeah. of this stuff. Like there was there were points in high school where I was like feeling low enough to be like, I would try drugs, but I have no idea where even to start buying right. them. Like who do I contact? <laughs> I don't do any drugs, so I'm super clean. Yeah, um, we're drinking water. Yes. Actually, yeah. Uh what else are we drinking today? Johnny Walker Blue Label. The my favorite scotch. My favorite. I was telling you beforehand, um, and this is a good tip for a lot of uh, the f- higher end, the topper shelf of alcohols, is that sometimes you do need to put a little bit of water in to mm. activate them because the ingredients don't dissolve all the way. Just a little fun fact if you happen to also be enjoying some top shelf whiskey <laughs> with us as we do this podcast. Mm. But um, yeah, music. Music was a big decade, like generational thing, you know, because, uh, you know, it was all like in the 50s. <laughs> you know? And then I think the 50s is when somebody like Chuck Berry broke through. Chuck Berry is like well, one of the first famous black guitar players. What if I take a guitar and I go like this? And it, you know, if you listen to his stuff, you're like, that's rock. But like Johnny Be Good and the way he played the guitar in that was like revolutionary. And it inspired people in the 60s like Jimi Hendrix, who was huge for the 60s. Like, the boomers love Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. I love Jimi Hendrix. He's my favorite. I still musician. got the vinyl you gave me. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. I love Jimi Hendrix. And then the 70s, like the Beatles. The Beatles were big through in the 60s and the 70s. And they had this interesting change. Because if you look at the Beatles in the 60s, it's bowl cuts, it's suits. They all look <laughs> prim and clean, and they all look like the same person. <laughs> and then... The 70s roll around, the long hair comes out, they came back from their trip to India, it's like the open collar shirts and all this yeah. stuff, right? Lennon's got the round glasses. Yeah. So, yeah. What is it, the 80s Metallica? Mm. Stuff like that comes out. With their uh, with their bowl cut hair. I just saw a clip of an interview with the other day. They're walking away and this guy's like, you know, uh, fans are saying your haircuts aren't very American. What do you think about that? He's like, well, it's very apt of them. I mean, we're not American. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're British. <laughs> It's like, I'm trying eye. to remember. There was like an American band that also came up around the same time, Monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Arctic Monkeys. No, no, they came. Those are the new group. Yeah. I'm talking like the Monkeys, like M O N K E E S. Yeah. Oh, those pre, guys came. Pre-Arctic. Okay. Way pre-Arctic. <laughs> they were around the same time as the Beatles. Arctic Monkeys are oh. like. Uh, Arctic Monkeys are the Radiohead generation. That's where we land in the '90s. <laughs> I can't wait for that '90s show episode where Leia discovers Radiohead. Radiohead, yeah, because Radiohead's like, my music is a lot of this. <laughs> Radiohead's great. I'm not hating on Radiohead, but it's a lot of that. Um, and then the Radiohead-inspired bands that kind of led into the early 2000s were like Coldplay, definitely. Um, Arctic Monkeys, I think, was probably in that same group. Hmm. But, what year would that be? Well, I guess you said 90s, but late 90s to early 2000s yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then late 90s I'm pretty sure 99 uh, we get the first Three Days Grace album and so it begins yeah which is interesting because my my tastes are on the opposite end of that not the opposite end the other side of the coin Mm. was hip hop music (laughs) because like 90s rap 80s and 90s rap got big you know, we went from NWA and then those guys broke off and there was Death Row Records and there was Ice Cube was dropping albums and Dre was dropping and Snoop Vanilla Dogg Ice. got fit. Vanilla Ice <laughs> was in the mix. 
No hate on Vanilla Ice, man. Everybody loves Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Which is kind of the beat from Under Pressure by Queen, but you know. So. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, and then in the early it 2000s, is. it's like MTV Cribs. Mm. There's not a lot of white people on MTV Cribs. <laughs> it's like, you want to come into little John's house? But yeah, that was like the time where Dre was like the king of hip hop and he was producing people like Eminem and all that stuff. And early 2000s was Eminem and and um, a lot of these hip-hop artists and rap music and all that stuff got big and it stayed big into the 2010s and now we have people like the Island Boys and Doja Cat no <laughs> I don't really listen to them but you know that's, that's never what... really heard of them but I mean music's my favorite part of like identifying a generation kind of thing in like a decade yeah, yeah. it's interesting to me I somebody was telling me earlier is like I don't listen to enough new hip-hop I was like maybe you're right so I just dug up a song at random and I ended up digging out a, a Travis Scott song. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Stargazing. It was someone else. It would be lost on me anyways. Yeah, but it was like the beat hit me on that. I was like, this is so good. It's like not everything that they make that's new appeals to me, but like, damn, those people, new people are really talented. You can't just say it's all electronic now. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of engineering to get the sound the way they do. Yeah, if anyone could do it, <laughs> there'd be a lot more. It's like you think Billie Eilish is just going up there and, you know, whimpering about Satan, but <laughs> her brother is a genius when it yeah. comes to sound engineering. Like, truly, her songs are very masterfully put together. You know, she's like, I just want to light myself on fire. But, like, it's an amazing <laughs> chorus and, like, bridge. Oh, they created that... a style for her. Too. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. But like that trying the music and stuff that's i've just been listening to our camp finder 4 playlist a whole bunch because between you jared and uh josh i get a whole bunch of new hip-hop stuff and... yeah you get like a really diverse yeah taste yeah. of music from four of us and what i always find interesting is the things we end up sharing mm. you know like when i a dubstep song i pick off of josh or vice versa or like a, a blues song that jared and i will get into or something or generation by jesse royal <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's favorite new reggae song. God forbid Jared gets us into David Usher. <laughs> he can try. It's not happening. He'll do a solo episode of this show just talking about David Usher <laughs> at some point. He'll literally steal the equipment and be like, David Usher, I have to listen. But that's the, that 90s show, that 70s show, the 90s kids, those 70s kids. Do you, like, I? they say the line is like 1997, mm-hmm. and I'm born 1997 i'm on the latter end of 90 because my birthday is in november so i'm kind of like the first generation of zoomers yeah and then being in between being a millennial and a zoomer at the same time so i'm at the intersection i don't necessarily belong in any one definite group yeah you know what i think best defines our generation is the born in the 90s generation right we got that crisp outdoor childhood you know like um on a summer day i'm biking with my friends to go get a slushy from the gas station right walkman strapped onto my shorts right and uh we were one of the last generations to put wires in your earbuds yeah or that had wires but just that it's the primarily outdoor childhood kind of thing yes but then the second it's kind of important the developing years are coming we get phones internet stuff like that yes just in time to be corrupted and have all that act like just enough to be able to like really grow up in this beginning of this like flourishing tech world 
Do you remember your first phone? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I got a flip phone, a black razor. Oh, you had one of those sleek little oh, thin yeah. things, right? Oh, Motorola. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, first time I ever stole from my parents too. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I used uh, I used the internet on that phone to download the Welcome to the Black Parade as uh, as a ringtone. <laughs> Spent like two dollars on it. Oh my god. <laughs> And it snuck by under the credit card. They had no idea. When I was a kid, I used to borrow my mom's flip phone, which was uh, a th- like an inch thick Samsung flip phone when it was closed. It had an extendable antenna. There was no color in the screen. Like black and white. People don't like understand what that means. Yeah. To, to have no color in the screen. It's just a funny green, right? Yeah. It's like this funny green and there's like black. And if you, yeah. when you touch the buttons, it gl- has a blue backlight. That was like a huge deal back then. It, so you it, could see what you were clicking. It had 10 ringtones. <laughs> and just go, I went from that. The first phone that was mine, mine was like um, one of those, it was a slide phone. I don't remember who made it, but it was like it would slide sideways to expose a QWERTY keypad so you could text faster. I remember Jared had one of those. Remember buttons were a big deal? Yeah, and the BlackBerry Torch was huge. Now it's like, God forbid, there's a button on your phone. This <laughs> is <laughs> like Apple does not know what to do with it. <laughs> Eventually, the volume buttons and the power buttons are going to have to go. I was showing my little, like, my cousins, my little cousins are actually born later than the Generation Zoomer. I don't know what that generation's called yet. But I was trying to explain to her what an iPod Nano was and that it had no screen. <laughs> and that it was just this tiny thing with a bunch of buttons on it. Now you're thinking of the shuffle, the little square? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that, that a Nano? No, no. The oh, Nano okay. was the little right. rectangle. And it had a screen, yeah. Because that was my last iPod. <laughs> And then showing her that and then being like, and here was the first iPhone. And she's like, what's that square? Like, people don't remember there was a menu button on the front of the iPhone that had a little square on it. And now it's oh, gone. Oh, yeah. 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 That was like the first few generations. Now they don't You're bother right. with yeah. it anymore. So right? at first it was the iPod Touch. And then... Now they're like, it's a waste of space. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, this iPod Pod Touch, that's oddly phone-shaped. What if? <laughs> it's like, this was, you know, people experimented quickly with phones once they got, you know, once they got it off the wire, they were like, let's put it in the car. <laughs> put this brick with a giant antenna in the car. <laughs> I love those things, man. I'm cu- I'm really curious about what it's going to look like when that 90s show stumbles on. I'm going to keep watching the show. I'm just kind of curious where it's going to go. I like sitcoms, and this yeah. one is palatable to me. It's not. Too I'll, give, crazy. I'll give it a shot, but it was pain. I'm not. I'm not a sitcom guy, and it was painful. <laughs> First thing. It is really strange to like go from something like Breaking Bad or something like that. I'm watching Let, very, uh, Better Call Saul right now. So <laughs> very realistic, right? Yeah. And then you switch to something like this, and it's like laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> it's like set up catchphrase, <laughs> something like Bazinga. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last sitcom. <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh. He's giving me the signal now <laughs> that we need to go. <laughs> um, that's the mat signal. That's the, the mat time. <laughs> but what? yeah, I'm I'm ex- interested in seeing where it goes. Yeah, um, man, I'm trying. I had like a good question to end on, and now I can't remember what oh. it was. Thanks, Matt. Now we got to end on dementia. Don't do math, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Talk to your doctor. (laughs) 
just talk to your dealer. I'll get you anyway, the good shit. that 70s show, that 90s show, and the ultimate show of all, the Forest Creek Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and YouTube, and I just put us up in a bunch of other places, from Pandora to Stitcher to Pocket Cast to Castbox to all these other places. You, you know, you just get it, you hook up with one good distributor, and it gets that RSS feed everywhere, except mm. Apple. Just Google Podcasts. <laughs> Raph will find you. Google Podcasts actually has us now. Yeah, Google, like oh. literally Google Podcasts. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was verbing it, but nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find us also on social media on Twitter at The Forest Creek, on Instagram at The Forest Creek, and we just got a Substack. That's right, theforestcreek.substack.com. Stack those subs. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool platform for putting out writing and podcasting, so we're going to experiment with it. We got lots of interesting stuff coming from podcasts to videos and and if you are launching a business, a ministry, a hobby, a foundation, if you're if you've got a cause that you're working for, if you've got a dream, let us help you make that dream come true. The Forest Creek Media Production is coming to you very soon. You can contact us at theforestcreek@gmail.com and we can see how we can bring that dream to the screen. We'd love to help you out. We're actually in the stage of making a few pro bonos right now, so you might even get it entirely free if you contact us quick. Scholarship. Hell yeah. We got other cool stuff coming. Jared and I are actually going to go see Tim Dillon uh, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater later this February um, when John Wick comes out. AD and I have been preparing. We've been training (laughs) to get into the theater to see that movie. But that's still down the road. That's late March. We got a lot of very interesting things in the works oh, I, wait when are you seeing tim dylan uh february 24th at the queen nice. elizabeth yeah. and Jer- uh, jared is seeing uh sam morell on february 2nd oh sweet sam morell's awesome. in town that's awesome yeah yeah sweet you just gotta take a picture of him with me hell yeah yeah i love doing that especially if like people don't know the comedian very much you could still sneak up there and be like can i can we meet him and then you can go and take but that's how i got the first yeah. picture with tim quick fun little story our most popular video on youtube is Jared and I reviewing Tim Dillon's Netflix special, A Real Hero. But on the cover of the podcast, I put up a picture of when Jared and I went to go see Tim at Rick Bronson's right before COVID. And so I have a picture of me and Tim, and I put that up there, and people thought Tim was on the show. (laughs) I remember that. It's our biggest YouTube video because of that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll use Samurai the Dragonman for the next one. This time, we're not going to put up any picture, and we'll actually interview Tim Dillon. (laughs) No one watches it. Lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, We're working very hard to launch the business side, so stay in touch, stay in the loop, stay in the forest. Um, And from all the generations, from the boomers to the Xers and Ys, which I guess is millennials, to the Zoomers and beyond, this has been the Forest Free Podcast. See you later. Laugh track. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it in. (laughs) Wisconsin!